0: Buddy, and welcome to the Scripture Chronicles. This is the podcast where we explore the unified story of the Bible. I'm Dylan. Joining me today is none other than the ever spectacular Corey Howitt. Corey, how the heck
1: are you doing today? Doing great. I'm just excited to finish Genesis. I mean, not excited to get done with it because I love it, but just stoked that we've made it this far and we're still going strong. This has been a fairly long time in the making. We have
0: spent a decent amount of time in Genesis, at least a couple months at this point. Uh, so this will be kind of the culminating episode. As a matter of fact, we're actually naming this episode, Shalom, Adios Shalom Adios. Genesis. Yep, so uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, as is customary, we're gonna go ahead and give our recap of last week's episode. If you are new here, Thank you guys for tuning in. How this works is basically we go through each section and it builds on the previous section. And so we're actually going through the Bible, showing the unified story or narrative as it actually unfolds in real time. So today we're going over Genesis 48 through 50, the last few chapters of Genesis. If you have not yet listened to the preceding episodes, a lot of what we say in today's episode will come from those Episodes. So I would recommend going back if you have the time and listening to the episodes preceding this one first, and then go ahead and listen to this one. So, with that, we're going to go ahead and recap from last week. Last week, we went over Genesis chapter 42 through 47, straight out of Canaan. And Corey's going to go ahead and walk us through the recap. Corey, what happened last week?
1: Yeah, so we started with the idea that. Joseph was in Egypt and he was in charge over all of Egypt because he told Pharaoh his dreams and he was kind of messing with his brothers. Well, so before that, um, the brothers, um, that is his 11 brothers and his father, Jacob, there's a famine in the land that reached all the way to the land of Canaan as well as Egypt, like uh, Joseph had dreams about. And so Jacob sends his sons to Egypt to go and get grain from Egypt, because that's the only place that's selling grain. Um, Jacob makes Benjamin uh, stay behind because that's the only other son from his loved wife, Rachel. And his other son, he thinks, got eaten up by a ravenous animal. And so the brothers go to get uh, grain from Egypt and they run into Joseph, but they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. And so that's when Joseph starts messing with the brothers a little bit. Um, He accuses them of being spies and they say, no, we're not spies. Please just listen to us. We're just here to get grain for our father. And we have another brother back home. And they explain basically all of their family situation like Joseph doesn't know of it. And so Joseph says, okay, well, if you ever want to come back and get grain, you better bring your youngest brother, Benjamin, or you won't get anything. Um, and he even imprisons Simeon and says, hey, you better bring Benjamin back. You won't get Simeon. And when he sends them back with their grain to their home, um, he also sends them back with their own money. And so the money that they paid for the grain, Joseph puts it back in their sack. And so the boys, they tell their father, Jacob, all that had happened. They said, no, we're never going to go back there. We cannot ever send uh, Benjamin because Benjamin is all I have left. It's kind of a bummer for the brothers, some clear favoritism being shown. Um, But they're out of food. They run out and they're left without any options. Um, But Jacob is still kind of hard to budge on. Um, But it was Judah's plea to um, watch out for his younger brother, Benjamin, that actually um, gets Jacob to say, "Okay, you can bring Benjamin. And they go and they meet up with Joseph again um, and they're invited to this great big feast that was set out for them. But they're worried, like, oh, no, is this because they think we stole the money? And they try to tell Joseph's servant, saying, hey, listen, like, we brought extra money. We didn't mean to take the money. Someone put it back there uh, for us without us knowing. And the steward says, hey, don't worry about it. God put that there for you. So it sounds really good and really promising. And Joseph is still kind of messing with his brothers. He gives them a nice feast and sends them back with their money again. And his special cup, he has a special silver cup, and he puts it in Benjamin's sack. And so after he sends them out a little bit, Joseph sends some servants to go and track them down, accuses them of stealing this very special cup. And they say, none of us have it. Um, whoever has the cup, you can kill him." And the rest of us will be your servants. And sure enough, it was in Benjamin's sack. And they all go back to Egypt begging Joseph, saying, please don't do this. Um, And after all this um, pleading, uh, mostly Judah's pleading again, Judah pleads on behalf of Benjamin. And he talks about how important Benjamin is to his father because of the loss of Joseph. They all think that Joseph is lost at this point. Joseph ends up revealing himself to his brothers, and he reveals that this evil that you meant for me in selling me to slavery, lying about my death to my father, God used it all for good. Joseph sends for his father, Jacob, and all of his family, so all of his brother's families and their children, and they all come out to Egypt, and Pharaoh looks upon them favorably, giving them a good place to stay, that brings us to here. We, we're we given a little mention of Israel's life, that is Jacob's life, um, but yet we're going to cover the last few chapters where he's still alive. So it's like, hey, here's Jacob's life, but we're going to get into some more of Jacob's life in just a second. Um, anything else to the recap, Dylan? I don't think so. I think you did a pretty good job of getting
0: through the major narrative elements. Again, guys, we are really hammering down on kind of macroscopic themes and the narrative elements as we go through, especially this last half of Genesis. And that's kind of something that's going to be consistent throughout the podcast is instead of focusing on verse by verse analysis, we're actually trying to get you guys to understand the broad story as it goes so that we actually can see the narrative elements. So Gore did a great job on that at the recap. We're going to go ahead and jump into chapter 48 then as a result. So uh, after having gone through all of that and given kind of that brief recap of Israel or Jacob's life, we then go into a little bit more microscopic detail and talking about a very specific instance with Jacob. And so in chapter 48, we start out with Jacob is ill. And so he's not dead, he's still alive, and he's ill. And what he's going to do is he's actually going to start blessing all of his children. And if you have been uh, following through on all the previous episodes, you know that blessing is one of the major themes of all of Genesis. As a matter of fact, starting in Genesis 3.15, we were introduced to the idea of there's going to be somebody that's going to come from the seed of the woman at that time. It was Eve that is ultimately going to bring back the Edenic state. That is, he's going to bring back that ideal state for humanity that they were in when they were in Eden and first created pre sin. And so we've been asking the question, who is this person going to be? And so Kind of coupled with that theme is this theme of blessing. And so starting with Abraham, when God really cuts this this first major covenant, God blesses Abraham through this covenant saying that he's going to be a great nation. And so every generation and thereafter, this idea of blessing has been passed down. So Jacob then is the one who the blessing is currently resting on, the capital T blessing as we've been calling it. And so, then what Jacob is going to do is he's going to start blessing his children. But before he blesses his children, he blesses Joseph's children, that is, Ephraim and Manasseh. But as has been often the case up until this point, instead of giving the oldest son the blessing, we actually see something very interesting. We see Jacob actually cross his arms and instead of giving the oldest blessing to the oldest son, he actually gives it to the younger son, which is a theme that we've consistently seen where the younger actually ends up dominating or receiving the blessing over the older one who should technically be receiving the blessing as was custom. And so once again, we see that here and Jacob actually goes so far as to claim Joseph's sons as his own, basically adopting them as his, His sons, and so that they can actually receive the blessing straight
1: from Jacob, as all his other sons do. Again, just kind of a weird thing to think about all these blessings and firstborn blessings. But if you've been reading through Genesis, listening to the podcast, this is just normal language from Genesis. And um, we heard even from Jacob when he was about to be born, God told Rachel his mother, that there's two nations battling within you, and the older will serve the younger, right? And even Joseph had dreams that his brothers would be serving him. And so we've seen, I mean, even the first sons of the Bible, um, Cain, Abel, Seth, Seth was the line that was blessed and not Cain's line, right? So again, very common theme. I just want to doubly emphasize that. Um if you have any questions about like these blessings, where do we where can we learn about firstborn blessings? Just look no further than the Bible. Look no further than the storyline of Genesis. Um, there's no need to go out into textbooks on Middle Eastern, ancient Middle Eastern, near Near Eastern blessings. Um, which I talked to a lot of people and I'm surprised that they go to that. Yeah as like a first step of trying to learn about this. Um, Best place to learn about the Bible is the Bible and guys who go to the Bible first. Um, So yeah, that's a little soapbox moment for that. Joseph tried to uncross his hands, but Jacob knew even though his eyes were dim, he was not going to be tricked like his father Isaac was. When Isaac's eyes were dimmed, Jacob was able to trick him or In this case, Joseph isn't really trying to trick him. He's trying to, hey, let me help you out. You must be getting this wrong. And Jacob says, no, I know what I'm doing. And so all that to say, yeah, there's Israel's blessing to Joseph's sons, which he's just now taking on as his own sons. And now speaking of. Jacob's own sons,
0: jumping now into chapter 49, we get the blessing from Jacob to the remainder of his children. And so with this, we're going to go ahead and kind of breeze over some of these, and then we're going to focus more heavily on others. But that's not to say that This isn't all important. You will will see that oftentimes there are areas where we might skip through uh, maybe a little quickly, like genealogies, for example. Uh, Sometimes we'll do that, but that doesn't make them any less important. The author included these all for a reason. They do add to the narrative flow. But based on our uh, interest here in kind of getting through the narrative as a story, we're gonna go ahead and go kind of in rapid succession here, so Corey, Go ahead and take it away with the brother's blessings.
1: Yeah, totally. So blessings. And again, this is pretty much what the book is ending on. So this is a really, really important chapter. We can't emphasize that enough. Um, So it starts out with Reuben. And he says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first fruits of my strength and power. And he talks to him as being this really high place. He says he's preeminent in dignity and in power. But he lost his preeminence. That is his spot as the firstborn and the spot of being, you know, given the biggest blessing as the oldest son because he went up and defiled his father's bed. We see in verse 4. And we actually had one verse on this back in chapter 35, verse 22. So you can go back, look at Genesis 35, 22 and see where Reuben did that. So Reuben... Is not the son where the blessing, the blessing is going to go through. Um, That is the one who will reverse the curse. So it brings us to the next son, which is actually a pair of sons. They're lumped together, Simeon and Levi. And Israel gives a few verses on them. But what it comes down to, he says, um, Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. And so, Simeon and Levi actually don't get a blessing at all. They get cursed. And at the end of verse 7, he says, I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So, this is uh, looking forward into the land allotments of Israel. And actually, Levi will not get any land portion. The Levites will get scattered throughout the land of Israel. They'll actually get a very prestigious role. They will be priests, but the Levites started out as this cursed tribe, not getting a land inheritance because of Levi's harsh anger and his wrath. And Simeon too, but Simeon gets land and he's not talked about too much. And then we get to Judah. Now Judah, um, this is chapter 49, verses 8 through 12. Um, Really important blessing here and really important imagery. So we're going to take our time and break down some of this imagery. And so it says, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Um, and that's kind of like, um, the language of Joseph's dreams, um, back when he first had his dreams, before he got sold into slavery, it was actually dreams and language like this that made his brothers jealous and want to sell him into slavery. So now Judah is getting that type of blessing and he's going to be domineering over his enemies, has his hand on their necks. Um, then it talks about Judah as a lion's cub. Um, he's getting up from the prey. He's going around, stooping around, crouching like a lion. And as this great Powerful lion or lioness who dares to rouse him. Verse 10 is really important to this blessing. It says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So, um, scepter and ruler's staff is language telling us that there's going to be kings from the line of Judah. And from these kings from the line of Judah, Um, there's going to be a succession of kings that come where the staff won't depart from the line of Judah until tribute comes to him and obedience of the peoples come to him. So it starts to get um, bigger in scope from Israel. Um, So not just his brothers bowing down to him, um, but peoples, all peoples are going to come um, bring tribute to him, have obedience to him. And then uh, going down to the middle of verse 11, it says, He washes garments in wine, and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. Um, and so, throughout the prophets, and if you're familiar more with New Testament books, Revelation picks up on this idea this idea of the blood of grapes um, and bowls of wrath. Um, But that imagery starts here and it's really popular in the prophets. So the Messiah is going to be this figure um, that judges the world. And he is going to be stomping on his enemies and making blood in his wrath, in his really righteous judgment. So um, in Judah's blessing, we're promised a Messiah who will rule. He'll rule the nations, all who come to him. Um, But he's also going to be dealing out harsh discipline and wrath on those who do not come to him. Right. And so um, this language will just get amplified again, um, starting in Isaiah, really. Um, But so we're going to be looking for this guy, um, not just uh, someone like in Genesis 3.15, who's going to stomp the serpent. But now this guy's going to stomp any of his enemies. And we're not just looking for a guy like in the blessing to Abraham, where, um, you know, he blesses all nations of the earth. He's also going to be a king to all peoples. Okay, so um, we're getting to know more and more about this Messiah with the more big blessings like this. Okay, so now. The latest thing to add on to the Messiah is that he's a judge and he's also a king. So we're going to be looking out for a king who brings about judgment. Dylan, anything else with Judah in this uh, really important blessing? Yeah, I do have one other brief thing to add to this. And that is the fact that,
0: like I already said, we've been tracing Blessing. So we've been tracing what I have been calling the capital T blessing. And so far, the blessing has been resting on individuals as it's passed along. So starting with Abraham, then it was passed on to his son, Isaac and Jacob. And um, so it's been passed along kind of from person to person so far. And now uh, in the story, our major protagonist has been Joseph. If you do know the ending of the story, as we will eventually get to, you know that the Messiah, spoilers, is Jesus, doesn't actually come from Joseph. As a matter of fact, he does come from Judah. And so in some sense, then, the blessing, the capital T blessing, is actually passed on to Judah, even though he's not our main protagonist here. It's passed on to Judah as far as the next individual in the line of succession. But we're going to come to Joseph's blessing here in just a minute. And we're going to explain why we've actually been focusing on Joseph so much, not just strictly on Judah, even though he's the inheritor of the blessing. So as soon as we get to Joseph's blessing and then the end of Genesis, we'll kind of explain that a
1: little bit more. Then we get to Zebulun and... These blessings get a lot shorter and less interesting. Zebulun, you're going to dwell by the sea. You're going to border Sidon. All right. A car. uh, you found a good place to rest. Uh, then you ended up being a servant of forced labor. Ouch. Um, Dan, if you remember, Dan means uh, to judge. Um, and so Daniel is like the L at the end of Dan. Daniel is let God judge. So Dan means to judge. Um, So playing off of that, Jacob blesses him. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. But then it says, Dan shall be a serpent in the way. Yeah, last time we seen a serpent was in the garden, and that was the thing that uh, tempted Adam and Eve in the sin. Uh, So now Dan is a serpent in the way. That's not a great blessing. Gad, uh, he will be raided a lot. <laughs> it says, raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. So Gad and his tribe is just going to face a life of getting raided and raiding in return. Um, not a lot of peace. Um, Asher uh, says, his food shall be rich. Pretty awesome. He's going to have a bunch of royal delicacies. Naftali, um, he's a doe let loose, and he bears beautiful fawns. Uh, Or it could be a Hebrew wordplay there, um, very similar to the word for words. Um, But yeah, being like a doe, he bears beautiful fawns. I guess he just has really cute children. I don't know. Um, But we get now to Joseph. Joseph is another big blessing that we're going to take our time and slow down on. And so, Joseph, verse 22 Is a beautiful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. Uh, This is uh, really close to like Psalms 1 language, talking about this blessed man like a tree planted beside the waters. It's like, oh, wow, this is great imagery. Then archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. And then in parentheses in a lot of Bibles, they'll say, From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And pause there, because if you're familiar with the rest of the story, places like uh, Jeremiah, um, I think chapters 23 and 33 call him a shepherd, um, or maybe I'm thinking branch, um, but Ezekiel 34 and 37 talk about um, the Messiah being a shepherd for his people. And then Jesus quotes Isaiah 28 a lot and Psalm 118 a lot being the cornerstone. And so here we're saying out of Joseph comes the shepherd and the stone of Israel. Interesting, like what, what gives with that if we just learn that Judah Um, from his line comes the Messiah. More on that in just a second, but at that detail, we should at least pause and scratch our heads. So scratch your head. All right, let's keep going through this blessing. Verse 25, By the God of your Father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breasts of the womb, and the blessings of your Father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents. All right, so here we see blessing mentioned a bunch, um, which is what's to be expected in a chapter on blessing, but no one else has gotten the word blessing in any of their quote-unquote blessings. Um, Dylan and I were laughing about this earlier. It's like, yeah, I, I said Oh, this is a chapter where Jacob blesses his sons. And Dylan threw up some air quotes blessing. Um, I know some of these guys who do not sound like a blessing. So Joseph is actually the only one who has the word blessing, and it's mentioned six times. Um, a good hyperlink is to go back to Abraham. And in Abraham, uh, back in Genesis chapter 12, we see a blessing mentioned five times, which was undoing the curse that we saw. Um from chapters 3 through 11, we saw curse, um, the Hebrew word for curse, mentioned five times. And so Abraham's blessing was undoing that curse, like, oh, messianic blessing. So here we have that same type of feel of a messianic blessing. This feels like capital T, the blessing. Um, and so it talks about all these bounties of everlasting hills, and, um, May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. And that word for set apart, we're going to see a lot in um, Exodus and Leviticus, which just means consecrated, like for things that are made holy. Um, He was consecrated, uh, set apart from his brothers. And so what's going on with all this very messianic type of imagery? Um, So we know, as Dylan mentioned, from the story that, The Christ, that's the Greek word, the Hebrew word, Messiah, the anointed one, the Messiah is going to come from the line of Judah. And we're going to see that promise um, for the rest of Scripture, pretty much. Judah, Judah, and then it'll turn into David, David, David. And we're not going to hear about this blessing of Joseph very much. um, But one uh, helpful uh, influence is this book called Messiah Ben-Joseph. Um, Ben, B-E-N, like the name, because in Hebrew, Ben just means son of. So this book is called Messiah, son of Joseph, meaning Joseph in uh, Genesis here. And he's not making a case that there's another Messiah or that the Messiah actually comes from Joseph. Um, But what he does is he looks at a bunch of um, different writers throughout history, and they track... Um, a theme of a Messiah from the line of Joseph, and it's nothing more than a theological theme, okay? So, we see Joseph was focused on so much to the end of Genesis, um, and surprisingly, not Judah, um, but Joseph is a Christ type, okay? So, Judah has the line from which the Messiah will come, but Joseph is this image of what the Messiah will actually be like. And pretty cool with these two blessings, you compare the blessing of Joseph side by side with the blessing of Judah, and you could see a case for a first and second coming of Christ, but again, not that Jesus of Nazareth came from the line of Joseph, no, but he suffered innocently like Joseph, son of Israel, right? And so he took his suffering and he went in stride and walked a righteous life, not perfect, but he walked a good life in the same way that the Messiah is promised to walk. So Messiah ben Joseph is a, is a good resource that helped me. Um, that book is by David Mitchell. Um, David Mitchell has a bunch of really cool other books if you want to check them out. Maybe we'll put a link up on the website and Facebook page if you're curious. It's a little bit of a harder read. So, Joseph, why all the messianic talk? To recap, because he is a Christ type. Judah will pass on the blessing from which the tribe of Judah will have the Messiah actually come from it. Okay, so don't mistake us for saying there's two different messiahs or Joseph is actually the line, Um, but this is really confusing because I know that before I went to Bible college, I used to think that Joseph was the line that the Messiah came through because of this language. So yeah, it's just a Christ type, an image for what the Messiah will be like. Dylan, some thoughts?
0: It's really funny because then you get Benjamin pop up next and poor Benjamin, he's a ravenous wolf. So this is Benjamin's ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, he divides the plunder. So great things for Benjamin. With regard to Joseph, I'm going to go ahead and put a pin in the chat about Joseph's blessing and then revisit here in just a second after we talk about chapter 50. So we go through the blessing, quote unquote, blessing for all of the sons of Jacob. And remember now he's included Ephraim and Manasseh now in his list of sons that's why further on when we get the 12 tribes of Israel Ephraim and Manasseh are actually included in those tribes and that's going to become important later on now jumping into chapter 50 Jacob at the very end of 49 had requested that when he dies that he would be buried with his fathers that is he would be buried in the land of Canaan the promised land that he would not be buried in Egypt and so Jacob dies, and we can all be sad. Let's be sad for a moment. All right. And then what happens is all of Jacob's sons, who are now in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and actually request that they be able to go back to the land of Canaan in order to bury their father. And not only does Pharaoh agree, but he throws them a big party and says, take all of these guys, like, like all of Egypt mourn for Jacob. And, Have Jacob be mourned by all of Egypt. And then take a big funeral procession and go up to Canaan, bury your father, and then come back. And so they do. They go up to Canaan, they bury Jacob in along with uh, his father and his father's father, that is Isaac and Abraham, in the same cave that Abraham bought. And then they end up coming back to Egypt. So as soon as they come back to Egypt, Joseph's brothers get scared because remember Joseph's brothers had actually sold Joseph into slavery, which is why he was in this predicament. That's why he actually became this head honcho of Egypt is because first he was sold into slavery. And so now Joseph's brothers after not having the protection of their father, fear Joseph. And perhaps rightly so. But Joseph responds and says, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, and this is what's really important. God meant it for good. So you have this distinction. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So God actually is utilizing their evil for good. It's a really interesting thing, and a lot of theology can be unpacked from that idea. So God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I'll provide for you and for your little ones. So we get that really cool statement and then going into the end of chapter 50, Joseph dies. And then he commissions, or right before he dies, he commissions his brothers to bury him in the promised land, but then he dies. And that's kind of what we're left with as the book closes, as we are left with the death of, of Joseph. So like Corey and I had just gotten done saying with the blessings, Judah, who is not really mentioned nearly enough for the person who's actually going to carry on the blessing, he is the guy through which the blessing is now going to be carried on. Joseph, as we've already said, the Messiah doesn't come from the line of Joseph. So why then the continual focus on Joseph throughout the whole story, and then even into ending Genesis with the death of Joseph. Well, ultimately, the reason for this is, like Corey said, Joseph is a Christ type. And if you're unfamiliar with the idea of type, it's basically where a particular character foreshadows in some way another character. And so Corey and I were kind of chatting about this at the beginning prior to recording this episode, in what ways is Joseph actually a Christ type? Well, ultimately the Messiah is going to be an innocent victim. You know, he's not, he's going to be completely innocent. He's not going to have any fault of his own, but instead he's going to be an innocent victim that is going to suffer so that Everybody else can live. And what happens to Joseph? He's an innocent victim. His brothers sell him into slavery, not because of anything he did, not because he was guilty of anything. He was an innocent victim. But through his suffering, he was able to bring about the salvation of all of his brothers and all of his family. And so in that way, Joseph's life foreshadows the Messiah's life because the Messiah is going to embody some of these same characteristics as this Joseph character. So that is basically what the idea of type means. You might hear us refer to that in future episodes when we're talking about other characters that are types of other characters. So basically this type of character will become basically reusable the authors will constantly focus on different characters that are similar so as to bring out certain features of them in order to highlight features in not only those characters, but the ultimate character that they foreshadow. And in this case, it's Joseph and the Messiah. So we end with the death of Joseph and we end by foreshadowing the coming of the Messiah and passing on the blessing to Judah. Oddly enough, we're going to come to find that after Genesis, the idea of the capital T blessing kind of takes a back seat. And actually it's going to take a back seat for quite a while. We're not going to revisit the the, capital T blessing as it relates to an individual until Samuel. And so we're left with Judah inheriting the blessing. Joseph is
1: a type of Christ passing away. I want to say one thing to the idea of a Christ type for whatever circles you're around. um, That might be a really familiar term for you. And you say, oh, yeah, that's cool with us. Um, But we want to be clear that we, Dylan and I, don't get to decide who's a Christ type and who's not. We're going off of authors of scripture. So, For example, the reason why we even say Christ type is because um, of authors like Paul and Peter. Um, So actually in Romans chapter five, verse 14, Paul is calling Adam a type of Christ. Um, He says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Right, And he does this also in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, talking about what happened in the wilderness with Moses. And he says, these things happen as a type, and they're written for our instruction. And Peter does this in 1 Peter chapter 30, um, verse 21. And again, this is going back to the Torah, but it's looking at Noah, and it's talking about baptism. And so he says this, ark and flood this was a type or a pattern to this baptism that now saves you um so the authors are very clear um if it's not super clear to you how these things are a type or right now in joseph how this is a type of christ um i just encourage you to continue to read right and these things will become more evident Um, But yeah, it just feels safe that when we talk about types of Christ, we're going off of um, the Bible's idea of a type. Um, But one other thought, I just wanted to go back to the blessed line of Judah. And I mentioned that Reuben lost the blessing for defiling his father's bed Simeon and Levi, the second and third born sons, they lost the blessing by a brutal attack on Shechem and all of his people. Um, But Judah did something terrible and wicked as well. So we see as part of um, these blessings is that there's punishment for sin, but yet God still shows a tremendous amount of grace and compassion. I mean, the fact that God brings his Messiah through Judah, the one who slept with his daughter-in-law because he thought that she was a prostitute and got her pregnant, almost killed her because she committed adultery before he was caught red-handed and realized his guilt and that Tamar was innocent. So... God passed up some guys because of their sins, but He chose a guy who was very sinful, maybe just as sinful as his older brothers. Um, and so something a, a pattern that we're going to see is that um, God uses really gnarly people to bring about His plan. Um, and if He didn't use um, imperfect people, He would have no one to use. So. Um, God punishes sin, but yet will use sinful people. Um, Why God chooses some and not others is a mystery we need to trust God with. But I I thought that was um, important to mention before we just gloss over it. Um, Why Judah? I don't know. But God knew in his um, infinite wisdom. Why not the brothers? Because of their sin and because God knew in his infinite wisdom that Here's just going to choose Judah. So God chooses Judah. Joseph is a type of Christ. Um, Joseph dies before his brothers, which is on. He dies before his brothers and makes the same request that his father did. Hey, take me back to the promised land. And the story ends, the last line of Genesis, it says, so Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him and was put in a coffin in Egypt. Okay, so part of the reason why Joseph was mentioned so much, one, he's a type of Christ. Two, for the sake of the story. So after Genesis comes Exodus, and Exodus is going to start in the land of Egypt. So we end on the blessing. Okay, we have hope in the line of Judah, someone who is like Joseph. um, But yet we should try to get back to the promised land, right? At least get Joseph back there, like he asked, but they don't do it. And so we're ending Genesis on a bit of tension. There's peace between Joseph and the Israelites and between Pharaoh and Egypt. However, they're still out of the promised land, and that's a point where we should be saying, why the heck didn't they just bring him back? They did it for Jacob. What's the excuse for not doing it for Joseph? So um, we're going to sit on that uncomfortable note. That's, that's the last big thing that I at least want to bring up. Anything else, Dylan? I think that that is a great place to go
0: ahead and end it, that lovely cliffhanger. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up there for the day. Guys, remember what we're trying to do here. We are going through the text and we are actually trying to highlight the narrative elements. We're trying to highlight the big overarching story. And we're also not saying that any of our interpretation of the story is correct. We'll point out things and we'll be very clear when we're pointing out that it's, you know, something that we're interpreting one way or the other. But ultimately, what we're hoping is that you guys will actually gain the tools necessary to go through the Bible in this way for yourselves and to study the Bible for yourself. Next week what we're going to do is we're going to jump back into Genesis for one more episode and we're going to go through the whole thing real quick and give you big macroscopic story elements, just basically recap the whole book, and then we'll be moving on to Exodus. So guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for joining us in our venture through Genesis. One book down, a whole bunch to go. If you guys do enjoy the podcast and you're blessed by it, please don't forget to pray for the show consistently. We definitely covet your prayers. If you wanna share it with your friends, tell people about it, share it on Facebook, things like that, helps out the visibility. Again, reviewing the show on iTunes will help out the visibility as well. iTunes is the number one podcast platform. And so reviewing on iTunes helps out the most. Also, if you guys want the most real-time information, we have a Facebook page, Corey alluded to it earlier. Handle for that is Scripture Chronicles. And then we also have a website, thebibleisastory.com both Of those locations, you can get news and info about the show. If you guys do enjoy the show and want to support it financially, you can do that. Thank you to everybody who does support the show. Best way to do that is go to the website, thebiblesastory.com, and click on donate. Other than that, I don't think I have anything else other than to say we also have an email address scripturechronicles at gmail.com is the email address. Shoot us a question if you have one. Eventually, we're going to compile a bunch of questions and do a question and answer episode uh just to kind of mix things up a little bit so feel free to email in your questions other than that guys thank you so much for tuning into today's episode shalohadios Shalohadios. genesis (laughs) got it almost (laughs) shalohadios genesis and
1: shalohadios Shalohadios. see you guys we'll get it (laughs) someday.